0: Hey, you can pretty much Metropolis. It's now 5 after the hour of 6 a.m. in the big monster city. Come on! Let's get pumped!
1: I'm not
2: drinking any fucking Merlot! That's not, what can I say? The camera loves me! Shall we After you, Junior.
1: Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Logged It, we're here for episode number 64, we're talking 1980s comedies, uh, so lots to choose from, lots of interesting options tonight, um, and we got a fun panel to talk about these movies with, as always, we got Caleb Bowman, how you doing my friend?
0: I'm doing good, I was like, yeah, let's, because I, I pitched this episode and I was like, let's just, something a little bit different, because we don't, we rarely do like a decade in a genre, and I was like, yeah, good. Good. let's try that. And I feel yep. like the 80s is maybe one of, if not the best decades for comedies. So like, I it'd be fun.
1: Yeah. Um, and we got Brian here. Brian, how are you doing, my friend?
2: I'm um, doing good. You no, know, I wasn't on for a long time. And now you got to deal with me two weeks in a row. So there you go.
1: Absolutely. And as his name on stream here, it says we have A.A. A. Ron uh, joining us. Uh, how are you doing, sir? And uh, I, I, I don't think I've ever been on the show with you. I know you've been on the show. But I don't think I yeah. was here when you were on. So how you doing? Yeah, I avoided, ten
3: weeks. I, just avoided okay. ten weeks. I avoided all weeks with Tim. <laughs>
1: that's <laughs> fair. That's fair. Yeah,
3: no, I think this is the first time we've actually been on stream together for one of these. So yeah, I'm pumped to be here. Uh, I'm representing the '80s half of the panel with Brian, since you two were not born in the '80s. Uh, you know, so I'm '89. So June of 89. So I got you, Brian. You know, I, know. Brian I got the 70s for you, too. So.
2: Brian
1: was born in 1988. Uh, yes. Yes. Um, so uh, we're going to start off the show the way that we always do. We're going to start by talking about um, our favorite movies that we logged this week. So, Boatman, why don't you kick us off on that and talk about your favorite movie you logged this week?
0: oh uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't have a ton of, like, new watches from this week, but you know what? Oh! Wait, no, I talked about that last week. Never mind. Uh, this is a good one. Uh, I, uh, watched A Woman Under the Influence this week, which is a John Cassavetes movie. Uh, this is, this is one of those movies I feel like is fair to put in the category of, like, a performance movie. Like, it is a movie that is largely centered around just a crushing performance from its lead. And that's Gina Rollins, and She is incredible in this. Like, legit fantastic. Of the nominees, I'd say she probably should have won the Oscar. Peter Falk is also really good as her husband. Uh, Peter Falk is uh, really good in, like, these types of movies, though you don't normally get to see him do these, like more serious roles but i like it when he gets that because he's like really charming uh yeah no uh rollins is great and it's just kind of like a view into a character just kind of mentally unraveling and i think that's really interesting
1: uh i've never seen this but i've heard of it obviously it's pretty popular movie um and i've heard good things about it um i actually haven't delved super far into john cassavetes but i want to kirk has told me that i would like a lot of these movies so uh i do want to check them out but haven't yet uh aaron have you seen this uh yeah i have and kirk liked it on letterbox
3: um so every time you know obviously i do a cassavetes review if i don't get to like there but yeah it's a great movie Um, i didn't know anything about it. it was the second Cassavetti's movie I'd ever seen besides killing of a Chinese bookie and it was very different from that um but yeah it's uh yeah it's definitely all about the performance I mean literally her performance is everything in the movie and Peter Falk makes everything a little bit better as well so huge fan of this movie though
1: Brian what about you
2: I have not seen this movie don't know anything about it
1: cool sounds good uh I don't have my pick chosen yet, so let's go to Aaron.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, I got to watch plenty of new stuff because I'm terrible at trivia, so I don't have to prepare for matches like some people do right now. But uh, I'll try on the Western Front on Netflix, the new one. Hadn't seen the original yet. Wasn't really expecting anything out of the Netflix version. I just kind of put it on, and usually the way that goes is you kind of forget about the movie. This turned out to be, like, honestly one of the best war movies I've seen definitely in the 2020s i mean it's i prefer it to 1917 um and it is kind of along similar lines it is a german movie so uh you know and again takes place in world war one i knew nothing really about it i do want to watch the original after seeing it super brutal though um you know i mean definitely does not shy away from any of kind of the you know uh, themes you explore a lot of these war movies so it's not like reinventing the wheel but it's really well done Except for the score, the score was really weird to me. It had like the sample from Black Skinheads keep playing again, that part only over and over again throughout the movie. So it really was a weird choice. It was like a modern score in this movie taking place in World War One. But besides that, everything else about it was great. I wish I would have saw it in a theater. As usual, Netflix like, doesn't advertise it. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. This was really good. Um, I highly recommend it
1: um i want to watch this because i had heard some things about it. i haven't seen the original either um but i saw that this was coming out on netflix and i was like eh, whatever but i've heard the same thing that it's brutal really really good um my go-to thing with netflix movies lately have been, has been uh when i'm just like out and like watch them on my phone like as much as like did the weird ones like so this is not gonna be one that i do that you're not watch this
3: on your phone yeah well i do
1: it's mainly the ones that like i am lately like i watched uh, and it's not just netflix most of the streaming stuff so like i watch uh the greatest beer run ever or whatever today i watch that on my phone like stuff like that that's just a little more like breezy and uh but this was one that I didn't even realize it was a fort, like German uh, spoken language and stuff. So, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it at home. I, I might check it out tomorrow because I've been wanting to see it, and now that I know that it's out, um, I, I might check this out. So, or I'm definitely going to check it out. But, uh, Bowman, did you get a chance to watch this yet?
0: i um, I I don't know if I need to. Like, I I really like the original, so it's like I'm good.
2: That's right, uh, Brian. Yeah, uh, this I have not watched this one yet. This is on my watch list because I heard about it and it it, it sounded really good. Um, I haven't had a whole lot of time in the past week or so it, it, since it came out to to watch a lot of movies. And honestly, foreign films tend to sit on my watch list a little longer, um, not because I don't like them, but because if I'm going to watch those, I have to actually you know watch it. So I can read the subtitles and things. I can't be doing other things while I'm watching a foreign film. Um, so this is what I definitely plan to check out, but just have not yet.
1: Cool. All right. Uh, I, I have picked mine now i'll go next and uh, i just said i'm pretty sure i knew this was gonna be it but i had to double check that there wasn't anything else um mine's also a new release um tar uh i went and saw this on thursday with Maggie and uh love love this movie um i didn't uh i haven't seen is it little children is that the other the last film what is it yeah, yeah. yeah from yeah and i hadn't seen that but um, I forget who brought it I think Payson might have brought that one up on the show here Scott
0: it was Scott because he hated it. it
1: oh fair uh and but <laughs> I really loved this um I don't want to get too much into like the spoilers and the uh, and the plot of anything because I think that the fact that I I hadn't even seen a trailer I just knew it was Kate Blanchett and it was a like pretty big performance from her uh so i went to see it and i i wound up loving it it's two hours and 38 minutes which is pretty intense but honestly that didn't bother me at all um there's something really cool here where like and i normally don't pick up on these types of things but like this movie the way it was like shot and the editing and everything was like super specific to what was going on in the story at the time, and I it, like the fact that I picked up on that was like really cool to me because I don't see those like artsy things on first viewing usually. But it is a thing where like the movie starts and there's a lot of like one shot, long scenes of dialogue, uh, and they're all fantastic, but as the movie gets further, further in, and the drama and the chaos starts to like go further and further the scenes get quicker the editing gets faster and everything just moves quicker as it goes on i thought that was really smart that the movie itself uh in the way that it looked and paced itself as the character was kind of you know going cuckoo in the sense of like the context of the movie which again i don't want to spoil the the movie went along with it and i thought that was really cool um this movie has awesome like because she's a composer it has like really great needle drops and like and that i mean like all of a sudden we're just like put into the middle of this like ink incredible orchestra sequence where she's uh, conducting and was basically like a huge jump scare in the theater that freaked Maggie out. Uh, And then you have uh, like seriously straight up, like, I don't know if I would say this is her best performance, but it's up there. She's so, so, so good in this movie. It's, it's kind of insane, like how good she is. And I just thought the movie was uh, really timely in what it was saying. In a very, very interesting way, in a way that I hadn't seen before. Um, so yeah, I really loved this. And I, I also there's a weird niche thing, but I said it to Maggie uh after the um after the movie. I said to her that it was I think I have like a niche thing for movies where you're like thrown into certain specific worlds and nothing is explained to you whatsoever. So like I love a movie like Chef, but they do a really good job of kind of like showing you like the behind the scenes world of restaurants like, <laughs> and like how it works and stuff. This movie throws you into that like orchestra uh like uh live music world and doesn't hold your hand at all. They like throw out terms and like words and stuff and you're supposed to just like pick up and figure out what anything is happening like with certain characters and things in that world and i've found that i really like it when movies do that for some reason uh so i was like in from the beginning of this i just thought it was so 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 good uh boatman have you seen this yet no but i really want to tim i'm curious you you gave that
0: example of like you really like when movies do that do you have another movie that does that
1: I can't think of anything like off the top of my head. I know they yeah. exist. I know they exist in this like because mm-hmm. I but I, I, I'll find one and I'll send it to you. No, um, that, that's valid. But yeah, this is this is top three of the year for me for sure. I've
0: I've heard great things from people who usually don't agree.
1: So I'm very excited for this. Yeah. Uh Aaron, have you seen this?
3: Yeah, I have. I loved it. Um I can't really. Put it better than you did there with a lot of what you mentioned with especially the technical aspects i think that's like a it's almost like an artsy movie made for everybody if that makes any yeah, sense yeah. um and it's just like it's amazing this woman is so fascinating yet i had no idea she existed until this movie uh happened is it
1: a true story
3: no 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 but like you know it's like no but it's like these types like it's like, oh.
1: like no, no no
3: no i didn't yes. yeah. like but it's just like just that these types of people it's like it's not that far off from a lot of people oh yeah, yeah yeah. i see what you're saying uh, yeah and it's just like it the layman's comparison to whiplash it's much more than female whiplash which oh yeah I, the comparisons too, as well but yeah uh i'm looking forward to a rewatch of it as well um, super tense watch and doesn't feel like the length of the movie at all, which is just a compliment to, I think, the editing and the pacing that it keeps. Yeah, so,
1: yeah, well, uh, Brian. Have you seen this? You,
2: know, you say it's a film made for everybody. Is it made for me? That's the question. Because uh, because I'm torn in this movie because like I love Keith Blanchard. film made for everybody. That, that's just it. I, I love Keith Planchett and even though it's not this company, it just it just looks like it feels very a twenty four. Like how a twenty four is this movie. Uh, yeah it's it's a 24 adjacent it's probably more a neon you know production. okay, okay. <laughs> so it might not be made for me um no. no this is this is one that i mean like i said i love I love her and i'm sure there's a, an audience for it. i'm not sure it's me um todd fields other movies he's directed are very you know dreary little children and was it in the bedroom i think was the other one yeah yeah, yeah. um uh, for, for, just like last week i talked about my favorite philip Seymour hoffman movie will always be twister it will also be my favorite Todd Field movie, so. <laughs> so well, of i only active in that one. But, uh, so this is one that, I mean, I might check out eventually. It's the kind of thing I'll probably check out, maybe Oscar season when it starts to up some nominations, assuming it does, which from everything I heard of, at least she probably will. Um, but I'm not in a rush to see it. Just not my kind of thing.
1: I think she'll win, honestly, at this point. Like, I, there's yet to be anything else I've seen this year that even comes close. So, uh, Okay. Uh, let's move on to Brian. Your favorite movie you log this week?
2: Um, well, like I said, I didn't watch a whole lot this week. Um, f- honestly, my both my best and my worst movie I watched this week would be the same movie. But I'm not going to talk about that one because it was talked about last week, and that's Tammy and the T Rex, because <laughs> uh, because it's a horrible movie that was a kind of a fun kind of fun to watch. Um, but they just talked about that last week, so I won't talk about that. That's um, I'm actually going back a little bit more than a week ago. Um, I rewatched. Uh, the movie The Peacemaker from 1997. Uh, this is a George Clooney and Nicole Kidman movie uh, directed by Mimi Leader, who also did like Deep Impact and uh, other stuff. I can't remember off hand, top of my head. Um, but this is like kind of where George Clooney was like first like becoming a movie star. I mean, he had done like the TV stuff. He would become big on ER, and then he did like From Dusk Till Dawn. And this was his first like you know main starring role beyond that. It was also DreamWorks' first live action movie. Um, it's essentially jack ryan i think i said in my review it's the best jack ryan movie ever made that didn't actually have the character jack ryan in it because it's essentially the same character it's basically him playing a jack ryan type person the action and drama it's got the same kind of tone to it where it's not an all-out action movie um but it's not like a, a drama it's kind of a combination of the two um i think george does a great job he actually managed to bring like his kind of brand of kind of a dry humor into even like really serious moments uh it's got a great score to it um yeah, but this is, uh, like I said, I didn't watch a lot of movies this week, so it wasn't a lot to pick from. Um, but this is one that I just I hadn't watched in a long time, so I rewatched it and I really enjoyed it.
1: Uh, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm, like, choking. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
3: Beautiful- That's awkward.
1: Um, anyway, I have not seen this, um, but it sounds interesting. I'm always game for the clue. So, yeah. Uh, Boatman.
0: I've also not seen this, but I've heard mixed things. So, yeah.
1: And Aaron? Yeah,
3: have not seen this one, um, but I am a fan of 90s Clooney. So, you know, it's
1: just a blind spot, but uh, yeah, haven't seen it. Okay. Uh, so let's move back to Boatman for his least favorite.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't have anything really bad, uh, but I'm going with another Cassavetes movie. Uh, I'm going with Husband's. Uh, this this movie was not bad per se but it was it just felt so unfocused and just kind of boring uh the scenes go on like really long it, it's a hangout movie but unlike a lot of like great hangout movies the dialogue isn't particularly like fun to listen to like Cassavetes is a good writer and he wrote this but it just it it felt like just kind of... It felt like Ben Gazzara, Peter Falk, and John Cassavetes had nothing to do for a weekend, so they decided to make a movie. Uh, and, you know, I like Ben Gazzara, Peter Falk, and John Cassavetes as actors. So, like, you know, that that's why the movie's at, like, a two and a half for me. But I really think that, like... There, there's just like there's a scene in a bar where they're singing, and it just goes on and on and on and on. Like it just, it didn't work for me. Like Casavetti's uh, other films do. Uh,
1: I have not seen this, but you're not doing much to sell me on it for sure. Uh, Aaron, <laughs> have you seen it?
3: Yep, I've seen it. Um, yeah, it's 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 pretty pretty much. Uh, meaningless 70s hang hang out weird movie with people you don't exactly want to hang out with but they are great actors so yeah i mean i wouldn't ever revisit it i don't really remember much more than he mentioned but that bar scene does go on a very long time that is i do remember that
1: brian what about you
2: i have not seen this movie and honestly i'm not even sure i've ever heard of it
1: fair enough all right uh aaron let's move to you your least favorite of the week
3: uh yeah uh mine so watching a lot of horror movies being original over the last month here and uh yeah I decided to finish off the Eli Roth watches and uh I got to Green Inferno and it is as bad as everybody uh warned me it was uh the Spy Kids kid is in it um some other people are in it uh there's it's just like it's taking like the bad character horror trope to like the highest degree um, for sure. Um, and there's a lot of very memorable scenes for all the wrong reasons. Um, yeah, I, I think that Eli Roth was trying to make a point that people do good things to get uh, attention and that's bad. So, yeah, deep, deep Eli Roth horror.
1: <laughs> um, I have seen this. I saw this in the theater, actually. Oh, my God. Um, I, me and Maggie went and saw this together, so imagine my poor little <laughs> wife watching Inferno <laughs> in the theater. And I told her, you know, it's cannibals! <laughs> it's going to be fun! It was not. Uh, but the other Eli Roth movie, which I want to say came out the same year, Knock Knock, Yes. Uh, terrible film Mm -hmm. uh, but you get to hear keanu reeves say you fucked me you fucked me multiple times and that's way more fun uh this movie's bad um he needs to stop casting his wife i think he has but he he needed to stop doing that much earlier but yeah this thing is this thing is a big old who is she in the the movie who is she i think she's the main girl oh yeah yeah justine yeah, um, and then uh, she's also one of... She's the not day de Armas girl in Knock Knock. So, uh, yeah. Uh, oof. Uh, big oof. Boatman, why were you there opening night for this movie? Oh, <laughs> so- yeah. You know me. Biggest Eli Roth fan
0: around. Like, it's me, then Ethan Beller. Yep. Um, no, like... Uh, <laughs> this looks like I would vomit several times.
2: So bad.
1: That's accurate. Brian?
2: yeah I, I have no problem with with uh you know gross out and gore kind of horror i mean i've just talked recently about terrifier 2 which i love that one and that's just like gore fest in the end so i mean it's not the style of we didn't like offend me didn't make me gross out or anything like that um but i mean eli roth just is not a good director and he doesn't know what to do with his story or the characters to be honest i don't remember much of this movie specifically i do remember seeing like the spy kids kid in daryl Sabara whatever his name is who honestly i just found out this week is married to megan trainer had no yes idea. um <laughs> but uh but i don't remember much about the movie but i just looked it up and apparently i gave it a half star rating when i did see it so <laughs> there you go wow we agree on a movie like that, i gave it that makes it true i think i think aaron aaron brian is the same as a brian kirk if, if we both agree on something it's true <laughs> that's
1: fair uh brian let's go to you so i can finish eating this taco
2: okay um Again, not counting Tammy and the T-Rex. Um, I didn't watch anything truly horrible this week, um, but I'd say my least favorite of the week is one that Aaron will probably love if he hasn't seen it yet. I don't know. Um, it's called Triangle of Sadness. Um, this is a movie that I actually didn't have any interest in seeing. And then I heard some good things about it. I'm like, you know what? It's opening around me. I'm going to check it out. Uh, so I was, I kind of optimistic going into it and I went and saw it and I don't hate it. It's not awful. It's just, it is definitely my least favorite one I saw this week though. It's its a movie that has uh, some interesting characters in it, some interesting, you know, acting going on there. Um, but it just, the story just kind of meanders. It's kind of broken into three acts. The first one basically you have these two characters who are interesting, but it doesn't really go anywhere. Uh, the second act turns into like gross out comedy and uh, it seems like it's a completely different movie. Uh, and then the third act, it it takes a weird turn, which I won't go into. Although I will say the worst part about this movie, the thing that bothered me the most is that it's it's like two hours and 23 minutes long, and it feels at least that long, if not longer, you feel every minute of it. But then it leads to this ambiguous non-ending that just feels like, okay, I just wasted that two hours and 23 minutes of my time, um, which some people might go for that kind of thing. Again, I just might not be the audience for it, but I gave it a chance. It was all right. Like I said, I like the performances in it, but the movie itself, eh.
1: Um, I really want to see this. Um, I haven't seen it yet. It hasn't opened anywhere close, and it, it's about an hour away. I would have to go to watch this. Um, and I was actually thinking about going tomorrow because I saw Brian's like two and a half star review, and I said, "Well, you know, it's a little on the artsier side, so maybe this would be like a four star for me." Like, so, maybe yeah, take like,
2: my review or something like that. With, yeah, uh...
1: so I was like, maybe I'll go check this out, and I'd have to drive like an hour, and then I saw, you know. Mark Menchaca gave it three and a half. Payson gave it three and a half. So I think it is a movie I would like, and I do want to watch, but I, I I don't think I'm going to drive an hour to go see it. Um, I'm going to you know save that trip for when Banshees comes out next week. Um, I, I would much rather drive an hour to go see that. Um, like I did when uh, McDonough's last movie came out. I drove mm-hmm. to the same theater an hour away to see it. Uh, so... Uh, I'm going to save that trip for that movie, but I do want to check this out. So when it comes out on VOD, I will watch it. uh, Or if it comes to the place, uh, you know, 15 minutes from me, then I will definitely watch it. Then uh, Bowman, have you seen this yet?
0: No, I haven't.
1: I've heard basically nothing
0: about it. uh, So I don't know if I will see it. Uh, Aaron, what about
3: you? I've had it recommended to me like 200 times at this point. everybody is like, this is completely it's your an Aaron movie.
2: movie. It's an Aaron. Yeah. movie.
3: Yeah, and usually people are right when they say that. Um, I just, I literally am going to see it tomorrow. Um, I'm very, very excited about it. And two and a half stars from Brian. Now my <laughs> hype has never been more excited. Uh, <laughs> just literally all my favorite movies, I think he's rated them all two or lower. So it's <laughs> like really, My hype has never been higher than that. So I'm glad that you didn't like it, Brian. I'm so like, but he's not the first person to say this is an Aaron movie. And I take that as a very, I take that very complimentary and fairly expect some things to what to expect from this movie. So I'm excited, but I haven't seen it yet.
1: Fair. Okay. Uh, I'll go next. Um, If I was going purely based on like awful, awful worst worst i'd probably go with the new release pray for the devil um but at the end of the day i wasn't expecting anything from that um so it was hard because i just sat there and i was like yeah this is just as bad as i thought it was gonna be but honestly one that i thought looked like it could be good um but ended up getting some rough reviews but i still checked it out anyway um was the new netflix movie the school for good and evil um I really didn't like this, which was a bummer. And I I know it's like a young adult novel. And so when it came to like the story and everything, it was, it, it, I kind of gave it a little bit of leeway based on that because like I was thinking to myself, well, if you look at just the plot of the first Harry Potter movie, like there's a lot of stupid bullshit in that, but I love it nonetheless. And so I, I was, I kept giving it a chance um the leads the lead characters just aren't very interesting like for the setup here like there's two friends one of them is like oh she wears all black and has brown hair and then the other one wears all white and has blonde hair and then they go to the school for good and evil and guess what the blonde one gets put in the evil school oh no like it's just like wow, what a twist. And so I just, you could see everything coming from a mile away. There's great actors here, like Charlie's Theron and Carrie Washington play kind of the, the main uh, uh, headmaster, headmistresses of like the, the, the respective schools. And uh, Lawrence Fishburne shows up, but it's just like I don't know. There was just something missing about the whole movie. Visually speaking, I thought it actually looked really well, really good. Like the visual effects were decent. Um, And I thought the performances were okay. Just like, so I don't know what it was about it that just didn't click. Like, I I think it had the potential to be something really, really cool. Um, But it felt, and I think Brian summed it up really well in his review, which I know he didn't even finish the film, but like, It felt very more on the line of the descendants on Disney Channel more than a Harry Potter. I feel like if they channeled a little bit more of that dark stuff, uh, the movie actually is PG-13, but somehow still feels like G-rated. But if it went a little harder into the darker stuff like uh, the later Harry Potter films, I feel like this could have been really cool, but it ends up being more of a mortal instruments or uh you know something like that where it just, it, it just kind of fell flat uh which was disappointing because the talent around it was was really great although paul feig is just like on a big l streak for me like uh i i i don't love bridesmaids i'm like one of those people that is weird and doesn't love that movie but i actually like the heat i really like spy i think spy is a hilarious movie um but you know between this last christmas that fucking terrible one with daenerys targaryen uh and then what else did he make recently i'm missing something simple
2: favor but that was a good one
1: uh yeah i I thought it was all right i didn't did you already say ghostbusters oh and ghostbusters which is just okay like so you know he's just on an l streak for me like i don't know but uh boatman did you watch this uh, no, uh, I but I
0: remember Paul Feig like went on a rant about someone who gave this movie a negative review on Twitter, so that
1: was funny. Uh, Brian, what about you? I know you said you,
2: yeah, but Paul Feig goes on a rant anytime someone says anything besides full praise of any of his movies, he finds you know scapegoats and other reasons why they didn't like it. Um, yeah, Paul Feig, I don't tend to like most of his stuff. I mean, I loved like back in the days of Freaks and Geeks, things like that, and you know, I thought Simple Favor was pretty good, but the rest of his movies eh, not so much. Um, yeah, like like you said, I, I didn't actually finish this movie. I, I logged it as a partial view, but I didn't rate it because I don't rate something unless I watch the whole thing. Because um, I watched about a half an hour of it, and I tapped out. Because, yeah, it. I think I said it, it looks and feels like every other failed YA franchise wannabe ever. Um, and it really was. It, it's got good actors in it, like you said, Charlie's Throne, Carrie Washington. Um, but they're totally hamming it up. It's clearly made for... More of that YA or a younger audience than me, which you know isn't saying much, but a much younger audience than me. Um, and so I'm sure there are people out there that will love this movie. It just was not going to be me. And yeah, it definitely was. It, it felt like it felt like Hogwarts meets Disney Descendants because I, I didn't even realize at the time. But then they started talking about like one of the characters, their dad is Captain Hook, and somebody else was related to some other fairy tale character. I'm like, oh, they're just going straight for Descendants. Okay, cool. But yeah, I, I can't comment more because I only watched the first half hour. Uh,
1: Aaron, what about you? Nope.
2: Not gonna watch
3: a two and a half hour
2: <laughs> This Harry is an Aaron movie. No, I'm sorry. not
3: even I haven't seen a second of a Harry Potter movie. I'm not gonna see a second of a Harry <laughs> Potter movie
1: based on no. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Um Boatman, you want to pick off the list stuff?
0: Yeah, totally. Um, so my first we're gonna go into 1980s comedies. My first pick is going to be Yeah, you know what? It's November. Movies are coming up, uh, and this is one I always got to watch. I'm going with planes, trains, and automobiles. I think this is, like, the perfect buddy road trip comedy. Like, I think Steve Martin and John Candy are basically the ultimate, like, comedic, like, straight man, crazy one duo. And I think they're so good at it. And I think the thing that this movie really has is the emotional aspect of it. Like, the actual comedy is great. Like, the the scene where um the the mess-around scene or that you're going the wrong way or uh, his rant, those are, those are all very funny. But, like, the, they actually make you care about these characters, particularly Del Griffith, who is a character who, if mishandled, could have been one of the most annoying characters in cinema. And I think specifically with the My Wife Likes Me scene, they know how to do it, so I I think this is a fantastic film. John Hughes' best, in my opinion. Uh, Aaron,
3: yeah, no, I love this movie. Um, this is just one of my favorite movies to watch with my family, probably, and from when I was a kid to still like as a grown adult, going back and watching. Like, yeah, it's just endlessly rewatchable. It's got the heart. It's got the comedy. Um, you know, it's not. It's even one of those '80s comedies where they can't say it's not funny anymore for. Any particular reason? Uh, maybe some other movies we'll talk about. But yeah, it's a good one. Um,
1: I actually saw this for the first time back in 2019. Um, I had never seen it, and my my good buddy, friend of the show, Tyler Butler, uh, he was like, "You son of a bitch!" And so he lent me uh, his copy of it, and I watched it, and it, it's great. It's it's so great. Um. The big scenes that Boatman brought up, like the uh, "My Wife Likes Me" thing, the um, uh, the big scene with Steve Martin uh, saying the f bomb, and the, the kind of the behind the scenes of like that's that scene's the reason the movie got rated R. Um, I think is really funny, but they like left the, they had to have that scene in there and had to have it be that explosive. I love that shit. Um, yeah, it, it's just fantastic. It's one of those movies where like it it lived up to the hype, where everyone was like, "This is just a great." thanksgiving like holiday like hughes movie and the performances are fantastic and it, it genuinely lives up to it um i i don't know that maggie's ever seen this one have you ever seen planes trains and automobiles not all the way through it, it's coming out on 4k in a couple weeks just in time for the <laughs> holiday so you, you you bet timmy will pick this up and um we'll, we'll give it a holiday watch this year maybe i'll make maggie's parents watch it they'd enjoy that so uh brian what about you
2: uh, this is a movie that I enjoy, but I, I don't seem to love it as much as everyone else does. Um, it, it, to me, it's got some, you know, classic scenes to it. It's got a lot of funny moments to it, but as, as a whole, as a movie, I'm like, it's okay. It's it's not. I I think Steve Martin's done better movies. I think John Candy's done better movies. As John Hughes goes, for me, it's it's like mid range, probably on, on my list of his. But uh, I mean, it's it, it's funny. I just don't have quite the same love for it as most people. Okay. Uh, Aaron, let's go on to you. Um, yeah, I'll,
3: I have a lot of different kind of ways I was thinking about going with kind of my favorite eighties comedy, but I'm actually going to go with the, my favorite eighties comedy I've seen this year that, um, I'm not sure if I would have liked that earlier times in my life as much, but, uh, it's nine to five. Uh, this movie, I just think is absolutely hilarious. And, uh, just has some really great twists in it that I don't want to give away, but the three performances, Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, and Dolly Parton, as well as, uh, I forgot who plays the uh, boss. Dabney but Dab- yeah, but uh, Dabney um, is great as well. And uh, yeah, it's just like, a, unfortunately, a really timeless message with this movie, and it doesn't hit you over the head like a remake of this movie would, uh, in my opinion. Sorry if my dog barks for a second, someone's coming in the house, but. Um, either way, like, yeah, it's just, um, you know, it's like a very powerful feminist movie, but it also has a lot of kind of you know, like workplace diversity messages to it as the movie goes on as well. It goes down some very dark paths as well. Um, and again, you know, Dolly Parton, I think, is my favorite of the three, but all three of the leads are just really represent different people in the workplace really well to this day. It's like, again, came out so long ago you know 50 years ago now 40 years ago 40 plus
1: years ago so yeah um i have not seen this one uh but i want to i've heard a lot of good things about it um the song is a banger so you know that's that's what pretty much what gets you in the door uh bowman
0: oh yeah no this one's fun uh this doesn't hit the highs for me, but it's also been a minute since I've seen it, so it might be one that is due for a rewatch. I remember really liking Lily Tomlin. I remember thinking like Jane Fonda was fine and that Dolly Parton was just kind of doing the Dolly Parton thing, but that was fun. But Lily Tomlin being the one that I really like, and there are some really unique jokes told in this movie that I really like. Those are probably my favorite elements of this movie, specifically when you like get each of their murder fantasies for the boss, I think that's maybe the best, like, section of the movie, and I almost wish it would have gone a little bit longer, but specifically Lily Thomas is the funniest, because they do kind of like a Snow White parody, and it's quite funny. Uh, So, those elements of the movie, I really enjoy. Overall, though, this a lot of, I remember a lot of the jokes not quite, like, hitting for me as much, but it's probably due for a rewatch.
2: Brian, what about you? Yeah, I just added it to my watch list because I have seen this movie. I, I think I've seen it a few times, but probably not since the mid-80s. Mm-hmm. Uh so it's it's been a long time to where I don't remember much of anything about it. I mean, my only exposure to nine to five in the past you know 30 years is Deadpool 2. So um <laughs> uh but yeah, I added it to my watch. I I think I remember liking it, but I also don't remember much about it. Yeah. That's fair.
1: Okay. Um let's move on to uh, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to get this out of the way right away. I'll go uh, because I have a feeling that I'm just going to piss everyone off because I love this movie. I'm going to say this right out. The movie I'm going to bring up, I unabashedly love, like, so much. And I know it's not perfect, but everyone hates it, and I don't get it. I love this movie. I'm talking about Mel Brooks' Spaceballs, baby. Uh, <laughs> I love this movie so much. I think it has a lot to do with the fact I saw this when I was a kid. And the concept of, like, a spoof movie was, like, the most revolutionary thing I had ever seen in my life. Like, when the movie opens with, like, The Crawl, and I was like, oh, my God, it's Star Wars. And my dad is like, ha! This ain't your sister's Star Wars, that kid. This is the Space balls. Uh And I just immediately loved it i love the most of the john candy bringing him up again um I, I i love him in this movie uh i love um just the schwartz and <laughs> um uh yogurt and just I, honestly like all of this dumb spoofy shit it's i think it's because it just it makes fun of a lot of shit that i love and and does it in a way that I think is very funny, like and so stupid. And honestly, I I like Mel Brooks a lot, but I have not <laughs> gone through his filmography. I have a lot of blind spots in his filmography. Um, so it, I I struggle to say this is like my favorite Mel Brooks movie when I haven't seen a lot of like the big hits. So, but I do love it. Um, I think there's lots of just really incredible jokes that are so dumb, like Comb the Desert, I think is hilarious. Uh, The radar, sir, has been jammed. I fucking love that shit. Uh, I am your father's, uncle's, cousin's roommate. Like, what does that make us? Absolutely nothing. (laughs) I I don't know, man. I love it. The giant fucking vacuum cleaning lady. Great. Just fantastic shit. Uh, I can watch this movie at any time. It's like a crisp 95 minutes. Mwah. perfection boatman why am i crazy
0: um I, I i'm not gonna say crazy i'm i don't hate this movie i i usually agree with a lot of the points the people who hate this movie make i don't hate this movie because i think this movie about 50 percent of this movie is actually great all the stuff with scroob is so fun i think the idea of putting rick moranis as your darth vader is a hilarious, incredible idea. I think that is so funny. And all the jokes that... I think legitimately, like, one of the funniest scenes of the 80s is the VHS scene. Like, that stuff... Instant cassette. When did that happen? Now. What we're watching is happening right now. Like, that is so fun. The Lone Star, Barf, like, Princess Vespa stuff does not work for me. That's the half of that movie that I'm coming out. And I also, I love like Young Frankenstein, right? Or I love Blazing Saddles. Those are two very different Mel Brooks movies. Young Frankenstein is, hey, let's be like as close to Frankenstein as we can while adding in all these jokes. Blazing Saddles is, hey, let's just like murder the heck out of these movies and have, have like a heavy layer of satire. Spaceball's kind of tries to do both, and in essence does neither. Um, so that, I think that's kind of my biggest problem with it, is that, but like I said, the scrub stuff is
1: hilarious. Sorry, I was trying to unmute. Uh, Aaron?
3: Yeah. Uh, I also saw this movie as a kid. Uh, I grew up re- loving Star Wars, never knew about parody films till I saw this, and had pretty much the same epiphany that parody i thought this movie invented parody so i haven't revisited it in 20 plus years um i'm not sure if i'd like it or not but it did inspire me as a kid uh my real last name is brooks fun fact for everybody Uh, it's not jay uh so when i was a kid learning about mel brooks i was like oh is he related to me he's not Um, (laughs) but i went back watched all his movies my favorite mel brooks movie easily history of the world part one uh nothing close to that with how much he made me laugh at that but uh Spaceballs was you know perfect for the age i watched it at and i almost don't want to revisit it a lot of these movies from then i revisit i'm not grateful to so might just leave it where it was at but definitely enjoyed it when i did i didn't know this movie was hated so uh
1: I get shit for it all the time. I feel like Brian doesn't like it. Brian,
2: that leads right into me. Okay, um, so so I, I saw this movie. i an advanced screening, honestly, back in 1987. Um, and I I loved it at the time. I thought it was hilarious, uh, mostly because I love Star Wars. And hey, look, this is a comedy making fun of Star Wars. That's awesome. Um, because this is before thousands of other better parodies and and things, and of course YouTube and whatever else did Better Spoof of Star Wars. Um, but I mean over the years, I still consider this like one of the Mel Brooks movies I like because like I, I love young young Frankenstein. But other than that, I Mel Brooks movies I really hate. I don't find them funny at all. Um it's just to to me, it's just like the worst kind of like dad jokes and puns and all these kind of things. They're just like the lowest hanging truth. Like, oh, is, it's basically two hours of eye rolling when I watch those movies. Um, which again, comedy is very subjective, so some people like it, some people don't. Um, but this is one of the ones I thought, oh, I still like this movie. But then I rewatched it a couple of years ago. I'm like, yeah, I don't even think I like this one anymore either. It's just I, I like a lot of people in it. You know, I like I like I'm glad this movie basically introduced us to Bill Pullman. Uh, I even like Daphne Zuniga. Of course, John Candy's always good. Their roles in this movie, not so much. But I like that. But I like those actors specifically. Um, and of course, the worst parts of the movie are anytime Mel Brooks is actually in his own movies because the whole thing with yogurt and all that stuff was stupidest stuff in the world um but yeah mel brooks not for me unless it's young frankenstein
1: that's fair all right uh brian we're gonna stick with you what is your first pick
2: um i'm going to go with another 1987 movie um i am going with a
1: year this list
2: yes uh the directorial debut well feature film directorial debut of one danny devito uh throw mama from the train uh, throw mama from the train is essentially kind of a remake of Hitchcock strangers on a train. Um, they even talk about it in the movie, kind of, they kind of, they want, they want to copy, you know, what they did in that movie, um, where two people basically switch murders. Although only one person is aware that they're taking part in this. Uh, it's Billy Crystal and Danny DeVito who I think have great chemistry together. This is Billy Crystal kind of, as he was hitting the height of his uh, popularity in comedy. This is right before when Harry met Sally. Um, but I, I just think they're they're the two of them and their style of comedy, and I, I think just blends perfectly. Danny DeVito's playing, you know, used to see him as a very gruff person, and here he's a kind of very innocent, almost childlike, uh, uh, person. And and Billy Crystal is kind of this jaded, sarcastic author who's just hates his his wife. And so the whole thing is he he says he wants his wife to die, and uh, Owen uh, Danny DeVito wants his mom dead because she's so controlling of his life and so he wants to switch murders and they do each other's murders so they won't get caught um one of the best things about this is Anne ramsey who plays uh his mom uh she got an oscar nomination for this movie um you you anybody who hasn't seen this movie you'll know her as mama fratelli from the goonies um she's done other stuff as well but that's what she's most well known for uh she is phenomenal in this movie she is a ton of fun uh like i said oscar nominated for it um, it's interesting to watch this movie also because it was clearly filmed as an R-rated movie and then cut down to a PG 13 because there's several points where you can like see them mouthing other words than you know what comes out. It looks like a TV edit or something like that. Uh, but this is a movie. If 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 you like comedy, if you like either of these actors, I think you'll really enjoy this movie.
1: Um, I haven't seen this, but I've heard a lot of good things. I I believe Cody recommended it to me. If it wasn't Cody, it was Boatman. Um it was somebody. Probably, would... I know
0: he really likes this. Okay, then it was probably wait, no, he doesn't really like
1: it. He's he and I are on the same page. So I don't know who could have been Hanley. Somebody liked it. <laughs> I want to watch it, but I have it. Boatman, go ahead.
0: Uh yeah, I think like Danny DeVito is kind of in terms of directing a a master of the dark comedy. Like he's really good at making movies. Just like the way these movies look. They look exactly how they should look, which is kind of weird, which makes it kind of funny, but kind of scary. And I think that's like exactly the tone that he is looking for. I think his master of this, I will say like, I think Brian pointed out like the one like flaw of this movie, which is, I wish they would have just gone a little bit farther with it. And I'm guessing DeVito probably did want to go farther with it, but the studio is like, no, this needs to be PG-13. Because, uh, like, you look at then his next movie where he gets to actually do what he wants. Uh, War of the Roses.
1: Oh, the and Rose, I love He's
0: a like. I think that's his masterpiece. That is just <laughs> all out. And I, I wish this movie would have gone as far as that. But still, like, I, I will quote my my dad loves this movie, and I will quote Owen doesn't have any friends <laughs> all the time. Like. This movie is very fun, and that's mainly due to DeVito's directing. Billy Crystal's, of course, always fun, and Anne Ramsey, who is great. I'm so glad like they gave the rare comedic performance nom because she's super fun. Uh, Aaron,
1: what about you?
3: I've never heard anybody say anything like about this movie till tonight, <clears throat> so I got heard of it, but then not. I like so I'll, I'm interested now. Uh, I'm a fan of Dane Devito's other work too, so just like I'd never really heard anything good or bad about this, I felt it so
1: interesting. Cool. All right, uh, Bowman, we're back up to you. Yeah,
0: um, I'm between a few. There's one that it's like I want to pick this one, but I feel like Brian will pick it, so I maybe want to do something else. Yeah, I'll it right take either. it, Brian. You can. I feel like you'll have more interesting picks than I will, anyway. Uh, I'm going with the Blues Brothers. Uh, I think the Blues Brothers is just kind of the perfect, like one of my favorite like subgenres of comedy is like the epic comedy, like a comedy that has the like scale and effort and massiveness of like an actual epic, but it's still a comedy. And I think the Blues Brothers absolutely applies. Like, this is a massive movie, not necessarily in terms of runtime, but in terms of scale, specifically with that car chase, which is, like, one of my favorite car chases in all of cinema. Uh, And I think Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi are just so perfect working off of each other. There's a reason they were, like, the duo on SNL. Because they just work off of each other so well And the, the music scenes in this are so fun The everybody needs somebody to love Is so fun I also really like uh, the, the When they're in the country western Like the bar that plays uh, We play both kind of music Country and western <laughs> Like the, it, I just find this Like a very fun Like perfect epic comedy
1: um i haven't seen this in a really long time i saw this back in high school and i haven't seen it since uh believe it or not it does have a 4k release i do not own that one so i do have to pick that up and watch it um but yeah i liked it when i saw it and i'm sure i would like it even more now uh but i don't have much to add because it's been easily 10 plus years since i've seen it uh aaron what about you
3: it's been on my watch list i need to see this one badly
1: i've heard
2: great things but nope i haven't seen it
1: and brian what about you
2: yeah this is a movie that that i i have always loved not only just because it's it's a hilarious comedy um and like like you said the chemistry between john belushi and, and dan Akron is phenomenal but it also just just looking at it just as a music movie is awesome because i mean they have all these all these moments these musical numbers when they have aretha franklin they have ray charles they have cap calloway they have uh you know all these other other people who perform these whole musical numbers, which I think is the only the only thing I, flaw I find in the movie is the pacing of it a little bit because it seems like kind of the, just get to a point where there's like stop for a big musical performance. Now it's like oh here's our next guest star. Um, they're they great musical sequences. It just the, the pacing kind of throws it off a little bit. But other than that, I mean, uh, like Bowman already said, I mean the comedy is great throughout. Uh, that car chase at the end it's, it's it just gets so epic, which you would not expect in most comedies honestly but especially from something that's based on SNL live characters um with this you know they took that and they turned it into this movie that's still probably the best SNL based movie um i love Kate uh, Fisher's <laughs> small role in it you know she she was great as as the like jilted ex girlfriend you we want to call her um and yeah that just the, just it works as a music movie it works as a comedy it's just it's a ton of fun um actually i i missed the chance that they, this past summer they had a uh blues brothers celebration weekend or something down at the down at joliet state prison here in illinois um which is like an hour and a half for me uh because it's been since it's been decommissioned for years um and they're like i think dan ecker going to be there in jim belushi and then they're going to play music and stuff but i was not able to make it Disappointed. <laughs>
1: um fair okay uh aaron let's go to you for your next one
2: uh yeah this one
3: probably one of my favorite movies ever definitely growing up and uh four great Eddie Murphy performances. It's coming to America. It's gotta be that for me. Um, I just like, top to bottom, it just will make me laugh forever. Uh, I just love this movie. I love all the characters in it. Uh, as a Jew, great Jew face from Eddie Murphy in this movie. Not offended at all by that either. So, uh, you know, good on, uh, you know, he could be Joe Lewis's ass. Uh, the Barber Shop alone, great I'm glad they never made the sequel that's very good <laughs> uh, that would be unfortunate uh if they did um so you know just sexual chocolate I mean when he goes to get his hair cut and he just cuts off his ponytail, he's like that'll be that'll be 20 dollars like just it's just you know he's just like what are you using your hair like berries like just the whole country of Zamunda somehow even in 2020 still not offensive that this whole country exists of Zamunda and like the misunderstanding as a kid, I didn't know what So Your Wild Oats meant. So like, I just imagined it as a literal saying as a kid, and I didn't understand what he was going to America to do. And then as an adult learning, like, and he's like, oh yeah, we're the finest women in America, Queens. Like that's where you're gonna find the most like, and just like, I don't know, it's just a great movie. Uh, it's timeless, um, McDowell's, Louis Anderson. I mean, it's just,
1: yeah, it's great. Um, I saw this for the first time, uh, right before the second one came out. Sorry, Aaron, to bring it up. But, uh, and cause I had never seen it before. And, uh, look at Tim go, he got the good old 4k Blu-ray, picked it up, watched, watched it. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I, I didn't love it to five out of five stars, um, mm-hmm. But really, really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was really funny. I didn't realize it was going to be this like hard R rated movie going into it. And then the movie opens, and he's like, "There's like naked ladies giving (laughs) him
0: PJs and shit, like." And And he's so
1: bored by it. He's just
3: so (laughs) unfulfilled by the. Um, Your highness.
1: But but he's great in the movie, um, and it's so funny. Like it really is, and. Honestly, like I think, if it was maybe like fifteen minutes shorter, I might have liked it even more um, because I think it went on just a little bit too long. But I can definitely understand why people love this one. It's great, Uh, Boatman. What about you?
0: Oh yeah, coming to America is great. Uh, we, We bring up Landis again, and I think he's really good at giving these movies a good amount of scale. Like he, a lot of comedy directors are not really great cinematic directors like they're not really focused on that they're focused on how best to tell the jokes which is fair that's the primary aspect of a comedy but I think John Landis obviously he knows the technical aspects of a movie and that's why I feel like his comedies always feel so large because they they just they feel cinematic and I think Eddie Murphy is just giving a perfect comedic performance in this Like, he is doing a balancing act of... Oh, yeah, sure. He's kind of doing, like, a a funny accent. And a lot of actors can get lost in that. And then the movie gets really annoying. But he puts so much heart into that character that it works while still keeping it funny. Uh, And I think this is... This is the first time, I believe, where Eddie Murphy did the multiple characters in one movie shtick. And as most things... It's also the best one that he did that because it it doesn't just feel like, hey, in your face, here's Eddie Murphy playing multiple characters in one movie. It's like, ah we're also going to do a funny thing where we're going to let him do a few other little bits here. I I do really love this movie. I think it's a lot of fun.
2: Uh, Brian, what about you? yeah i'm what well, john landis had such a strong 80s the problem is he hasn't really directed much of anything good since that well i take that back 1991 he did Oscar, so i'll give him that uh but after that uh yeah he's he just kind of disappeared he didn't really do much about else of note and uh, that's a shame because back in the 80s he was on such a hot streak um we just talked about blues brothers and this and you know so many other trading places all those things um this one is it's a classic for a reason uh, uh the whole thing with Eddie you play multiple roles, something like that can go really right or it can go really wrong. Uh, luckily in this case, it, it all worked. Uh, he did just a phenomenal job of doing all those roles. And uh, I don't really have much else to add that you guys didn't already say, but yeah, this is, this is fun.
1: Okay. Awesome. Uh, I am cutting in and out a little bit, so I'm going to say my pick and if I cut out, you guys talk about it. Like, just move on and i'll i'll be back i'll do a reboot um okay so i am gonna go with because that was aaron right yeah aaron picked that okay. one so uh i'm gonna go next and I, I would feel like weird not picking this one like i i i feel like it definitely 100 qualifies and i would feel weird if it wasn't on the list and that's the princess bride um and because when it comes to the 80s um like you guys know like I'm definitely more of like a 2000s onward type of guy, but like if the movie's great, the movie's great. And so I just haven't gotten like super far into the 80s um, where I've seen like all of these like super pop like I saw Ferris Bueller's for the first time this year. like I, I need to get deeper into the 80s and but this is one that like just makes me laugh every single time so i feel like that definitely counts um one of my favorite watch-alongs we did during the mlm watch-along series was the princess bride so much fun um this is maggie's favorite movie of all time and weirdly enough i think we've only watched it like once or twice together in the entire time we've dated and been married so that's kind of crazy but um yeah it's just a really great like what what are we supposed to say about this one like I just love all the performances um, uh, from beginning to end. Like, there, I don't think there's a single bad performance here. Uh, the fantasy stuff is great. The comedy is fantastic. The fact that uh, the, the, the cutbacks to uh, Fred Savage uh, are fantastic. Uh, the whole movie just works on, like, literally every level. Like, 1987, now that we're, like, putting it on paper here, damn. Like, holy shit, what a year. Uh, Bowman, what do you want to say about the Princess Bride?
0: Oh, yeah, masterful. Like, this is maybe not a perfect movie, but it is, it's a movie I haven't heard anyone say anything negative about. Like, this feels like a movie for everyone. And it's a movie that kind of pitches itself as a movie for everyone, with literally Peter Falk coming in, being like, it's got true love, sports, you know, this, that, whatever. Like, cause it's, it's campy without like doing, it's like self-aware, but without like making fun of what it's making fun of, basically. Like it's a very weird sense of irony that just hits on this perfect, like, yeah, we're being silly and we're like, you know, kind of joking about what we're doing, but we're also taking this very seriously. And I, I don't, I can't think of like another movie that does that. Unless you want to say like maybe like Raimi's first Spider-Man movie or like the, the, the it's just a rare breed of like satire that isn't satire. I don't know how else to describe it. It's just, it's very unique in that sense. And I think this movie is just, it's all the performances are so fun. I love the sequence of Wesley, like, fighting the three like ego gets the sword fight uh on uh fezzik gets the you know the fun little moment with thunder the giant and then i love i love the benzini uh battle of
1: wits that is so funny
0: this this movie is is great
1: i do want to say that because garth is in the chat uh garth i messaged you on messenger uh hit me back up because garth was supposed to be on the show tonight um he wasn't able to make it due to personal stuff but garth um i do want to save one spot at least for you on the list which is what i messaged you before so message me uh, a pick uh and we'll put it on as the last spot because we'll have two extra spots uh so message me back garth if you're watching uh okay uh aaron princess bride what do you think
3: yeah it's wholesomely ironic almost would be like the way i try to like it just it, it it's very aware but it still keeps that just like wholesomeness to it, which keeps it kind of for everybody Um, yeah it it lives up to the hype too. Uh, I saw this very late uh, on this was probably a year or two ago I saw this and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, yeah not much more I can add than that, but I really do think it's perfect for this list i'm glad someone chose it.
1: Uh, Brian what about you.
2: Yeah, Princess Bride is a, is a perfect film. Like, like you said, it works on every level. It works for every genre. It's got something for everybody. Um, it's one of those that you hear so much praise for and love for. It's like you kind of think that you'd get like sick of it and be like, okay, let's just not do it, folks. But you can't with this one because it's worthy of every bit of it, praise it gets. Um, it's one that I probably watch at least every year or two. Um, and it's just like a who's who of, of great actors in it. So, you know, that's great.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh so we're moving on to Brian, I believe.
2: Okay. Um, I'm not gonna go too obscure tonight. Um, but it's it, but there's a movie that's it's very underrated and underseen, I think. Um, largely because it's never been available like to to view very easily, like on digital until last month. They finally put it on in digital, you can buy it or rent it on voodoo, whatever. Um, until then it's only been on DVD, and that is Better Off Dead from nineteen eighty five. Um, better off Dead is uh, John Cusack back in his comedy prime. Um, he did this and he also did one crazy summer with the same director Savage Steve Holland. Of course, he went on to do like say anything and things like that. He moved on to more serious roles. But this is uh, kind of the big breakthrough movie for John Cusack where his kind of uh, trademark kind of just dry wit and he's he's almost like the straight man in in the middle of madness going on around him. And yet everything he's doing and how he does it is just so funny, his reaction to things. Um, it kind of I, you can kind of see the, the thread that goes from this all the way through to like Gross Point Blank. It's got that same kind of character to it. Um, but this is a movie. It's it's uh, it. If you look at it through today's lens, there are going to be some politically correctness issues with some of the jokes. Just let it go. Um, uh, uh, but yeah, it's it's just it's 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 absurd. I mean, there's things in it that are just like you know weirdly unnatural (laughs) happening with like that his mom cooks his food he just comes alive and crawls across the table he's got gags like that but a lot of it's just it's it's a kid in high school who is dumped by his girlfriend and it's a very simple story about how he really wants her back and he's obsessed with her um his best friend played by uh i just played Curtis armstrong Armstrong. yeah uh you might know as, as booger from lord of the rings or you might know as herbert viola from moonlighting um he is great in this movie um but yeah this is one that i think is really worth checking out uh just know it, it's kind of a weird form of comedy it, it, the whole movies i remember my dad at the time this came out didn't want me to see it because he said it made light of suicide and he was all worried about the message that it sends i'm like it's a fucking comedy dad just back off um but <laughs> back yeah off, it, dad. <laughs> it, it's a lot of fun if you haven't seen it
1: uh i have not seen it uh but you piqued my interest uh boatman
0: Yeah, I'm not big on this one. I like Cusack. I, I, I feel like uh, movies like this where like half of it, it, it it just it feels like it needed to pick a lane. It either needed to go full farce or it needed to be more grounded because it's kind of trying to be both. Like with the weird jokes, the food crawling around, but then it like is a little more grounded in areas. And it's just like, let me know what the reality is. Where where are we in terms of the reality? like is this just an anything goes farce or is this a world with consequences like that that's my thing is i just i i don't like movies in terms of farce that go halfway if you're going to give me farce give me farce if you're not going to give me farce don't give me farce but don't give me 50 percent
1: farce aaron what about you
3: yeah, I'm really surprised you picked this, Brian. I, I like this movie a lot, and it it does go into the weirdness. I think in a like in a actually appropriate way with the subject matter, and I don't think it's like even disrespectful either. Um, you know, I just think it. You know, is I don't know. I was like not expecting it to be as bizarre as it is, but then at other points, it does get to that very wholesome, like grounded point as well. And I kind of like the tonal shifts. It worked for me. I can understand it. If it doesn't, it causes you to kind of check out of the movie also. But yeah, no, this is an underrated and surprise Brian would pick this. But yeah. <laughs>
1: okay. Uh, so Boatman, uh, I did hear from Garth. He sent me what his top four, or his top five would have been. Do we want to go with his top two? Or do we want to yeah. give somebody else here one and or give just do Garth's yeah, two? Give Garth's two. So Garth's number one. Um, I don't know the year, but, uh, wait, no, yes, I do. It is 84. Okay. Um, so Garth's, uh, number, uh, one would have been the princess bride, but he wasn't going to bring it up because he did it for the based off books. Uh, so his number one is, uh, this is spinal tap, uh, which we have talked about on the show before. I'm sure he would go into great detail about it. I think he. I feel like I've talked to him about this movie too. Maybe he's brought it up on a different one too, or someone else did. Uh, but I, I do really like this movie. I think this movie is very funny. Um, I saw it for the first time in high school, and I know I would like it if I watched it again. Um, so I, I, it deserves a rewatch. But I remember thinking it was super, super funny. Um, as somebody who. Uh, is in bands and plays instruments and stuff, just like that uh, comedic stuff I thought was was really great. So this is one that I, I do need to give a rewatch to. Uh, Boatman, what do you think about this one?
0: Oh yeah, no, this is one of those movies that I was like very hesitant to watch going in because I kind of thought it would be a little cringe to be honest. But no, this this movie is like really smart and really funny Uh, I think the mockumentary style really works for it. Uh, it, It's basically the OG Christopher Guest movie, even though it wasn't directed by Christopher Guest. Like, it's the exact same style and a lot of the same... Well, the same three main people as Christopher Guest movies. Um, It's it's a lot out of the same style of, like, the heavy, heavy improv movie. But I think Christopher Guest unlike somebody like, say, Judd Apatow, knows how to rein in his improvers and make them funny while still progressing the movie instead of just letting Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen just trade jokes back and forth for two hours. Uh, I, I think that Guess is the master of improv. I also think the songs are really good here. Uh, like they're, They feel like 80s rock songs, so I think that helps a lot. I like this movie a lot. I think every, the three main leads are fun. Ah, uh, that Stonehenge scene is great. <laughs>
3: uh, Aaron, what about you? I only know this movie from "I Love the '80s" clips um, that I've seen. So I know like when they get stuck in like the weird pods part, and I know the turn you up know, to eleven. So you know, I've seen out of context jokes from this movie. So I'm totally qualified to talk about it. No, I I should, I, I would like to see it at some point, um, for sure
2: brian yeah this is another near perfect movie and, and i don't like a lot of of uh uh mockumentaries um but, th- but this one is is probably the best one of all the mockumentaries i've ever seen um it, it got a great cast to it rob reiner who this is our second movie now talking about him as director i think this was his first movie as well too um I believe so. but it's 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 great i know they're they're uh making a sequel to this supposedly um I'm not too excited about that because I mean they've they've in the years since then they did like a follow up album to it they released and they did like TV specials and reunions and things like that, and uh, none of them are nearly as good as the original. But the but this one, almost perfect. Okay,
1: uh, and then Garth's number two. Uh, I'll be frank, I haven't seen it, so I'm not going to talk about it. But I did look and I saw that uh, both Boatman and uh, Brian had this rated highly. Uh, so I think we will have something to talk about. Uh, his number two pick was uh, A Fish Called Wanda. So I have not seen it. So I can't tell you shit about it. But I've heard that it's good. Uh, Boatman, Fish Called No, Wanda. this is a masterful comedy.
0: This is great. Legit, I think one of like the funniest scenes for me ever is the scene in w- involving Jamie Lee Curtis and John Cleese at John Cleese's house and John Cleese's wife comes in. That sequence had me crying laughing. It is so funny, specifically how Kevin Kline gets weaved back into that scene. Kevin Kline, uh, one of the rare comedic performances to win the Oscar, and he deserved it. He is incredible. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think that this movie rules Jamie Lee Curtis is super funny. Michael Palin gets a really funny subplot in this movie. Super fun. Love this movie.
1: Uh Aaron.
3: Yeah, I need to see it. Um, it's I know it's great, and I just haven't seen it.
1: And Brian.
2: Yeah, oh yeah, this is a great movie. It, it's it's essentially, I mean, it's not technically Monty Python, but you definitely feel it feels like that American uh, American like Monty Python meets that American sensibility, which I talked about in a previous log that with Eric, the Viking was kind of the same thing, but this one is far better than that. Um, Cause you have, you know, the, with the American cast with Kevin Klein and Jamie Lee Curtis, but then you have, of course have uh, John Cleese and Michael Palin. I think Michael Palin is the, it's the uh, MVP of this movie. He is just because his, his brand of physical uh, comedy and just his reactions and everything are just hilarious. And of course, Kevin Klein winning an Oscar for his role in this movie. Um, yeah, this is just phenomenal. I, I, I do think that one of the things that surprised me about it is that the director of this is the same guy who directed Alec Guinness way back in the Lavender Hill Mobs. I mean, he'd been working forever. So it's a lot of fun.
1: Okay. Uh, so that's our list. Uh, head over. To the letterbox page, uh, to take a look at that list, hit like on it, and uh, also see all the movies that we talked about tonight. Um, so we're gonna move on to the movie of the month. Uh, we're gonna be talking about uh, 2022's or 2022 that is not a 2022 <laughs> film, it's a 2021 film. That's a typo on Tim's part. We're gonna be talking about the 2021 film, Pig. Uh, who had a chance to watch it for this episode?
2: I didn't know. watch it for this, but I have seen it.
1: Okay, Boatman, you haven't seen it yet. I mean, I've seen it, but I didn't have a chance
0: to, like, re-watch so it same. This is, actually. like,
1: one of my favorite movies the last five years. But I haven't re-watched it for the show, and I do want to give it a fresh watch. Uh, mm-hmm. Brian, if you're prepared to talk about it, Aaron, you're prepared to talk about it. We'll get reviews from you. Boatman, you want to wait?
0: Yeah, I will
1: I'll be out here for four weeks. So yeah, yeah okay. So uh Brian, why don't we start with you since you said you've seen it but you didn't- Yeah, I mean it's it's
2: still I mean it's relatively fresh in my mind. I don't remember all the details of it. I think I watched it in like September, I think, of last year. Okay. Um and this is uh, it's one of those movies where Nicholas Cage, of course, had had kind of slid into that one of those, you know, straight to VOD careers that you know he and John Travolta and some of these other people have, have gotten to. And so this one I heard about, and I assumed it was going to be the same kind of thing. I mean, I saw it was getting a small theatrical release, but I'm like, whatever, you know, it's him trying to look all gritty and serious and whatever. Um, but then I started hearing the buzz for it. And so I'm like, you know what? I guess I got to check it out after all. And um, I I really love Nicolas Cage's performance in this. I think that he's, he's, you know, he's not his normal crazy Nicolas Cage. He has a couple scenes where he gets to like show off a little bit of something, but for the most part, it's a very reserved, very reserved role, more serious role. Um, I think that he does very well showing uh you know kind of his his state of mind and his, his suffering and, and where he's at in his life compared to where he had been as this like you know high-class chef um i, I again this is a movie where i don't think i i've loved it quite as much as other people do i think i gave it a three and a half on on uh letterbox uh which both for, for me that's that's a good rating i think but once you're above three you're getting into like positive positive reviews for it um other than that, I, I honestly don't remember a whole lot of the details of it, but uh, I, I, I wasn't happy with one of the, you know, the results of where things went later in the film, but I, I still enjoyed it.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, so three and a half stars. Yeah. Okay. Aaron, what about you?
3: Yeah. And um, just real heads, quick heads up, I might have to disappear for a second. I have a dog getting picked up for from boarding for my business, but um, yeah. Yeah. I really did love this movie. I love Nicolas Cage. Um, and, like, kind of putting it simply, I feel this is a, you know, like the mirror of like a John Wick, even though it was kind of advertised as John Wick. And yeah, the marketing was weird. It, and it's just like, again, I don't care about marketing. I'm an A24 fan in case you haven't met me before. And they fuck up their marketing for all their movies. I don't care about marketing or mismarketing like that's it's actually kind of baked into what the movie's talking about anyways It's so like the whole i don't really want to spoil it but like you're expecting it to be this revenge movie where violence is justified and it's kind of the opposite he has these very sweet conversations he emotionally connects through the movie like chicks dig scars is like the total opposite in this he has scars throughout the movie showing off and it's disgusting like it's not like and it's just like the whole movie you're like oh it's crazy straight to dvd nick cage when's he gonna go nuts for his pig and it's just so much more than that I'm a foodie you know I love food I love chefs and this is just like shows some delicious you know modern cuisine that I would overpay for here in DC and like got, kind of dives into that dives into you know do you do things for yourself or do you do things to maintain your business all these just like really poignant themes every you know I don't know the the way the movie starts like just you expect it goes down a different way than it does and it doesn't justify violence or support violence being the answer so it's like very much not John Wick and that's what people got mad about with the movie and that's what I love about the movie it's <laughs> by Neon A24's co- cool cousin so I can like it so yeah I would say four and a half stars honestly it's a directorial debut feels like this guy's been directing forever I can't wait to see his next movie uh, and I love Nicolas Cage. He's next one I think it's during Quiet Place Day One.
2: Yes, I believe so.
1: That's too bad.
3: I don't like the quiet
1: <laughs> place. But I'm excited maybe, about
3: that. So. Maybe this would be a good one. Oh, I wonder if the kids will survive. Oh,
2: my, gosh. oh
3: my god, the kids survive. Cool.
1: <laughs> no, no, <that's> okay. <laughs> Unless you're playing with the truck. Um, but yeah, I'll be right back. But love this movie, four and a half stars. That's fair. And we're wrapping up anyway. So uh, great.
3: Thank you for having me on.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Boatman, who's frozen in time, it appears, in a very fun way. Uh, This has been a great show. Uh, It was a quick one, but a fun one. And uh, I I had a good time talking about these movies with you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, So coming up next week, we got fantasy movies. One spot open. Take a wild guess what my first pick is. If you can guess right now, I'll send you a lollipop. Uh, The week after that, we got Movies You Want to Live In. That's a full panel. And then we kind of may have alluded to it, but the last week of the show this year is SNL Alums. That's a full panel as well. Um, So we got a lot of fun stuff coming up. Uh, But those are the last shows of the year um, that Tuesday before Thanksgiving, that will be the last show of the year. And then we will be off post Thanksgiving through January, the end of January, no shows in December, January. We'll be back the uh, first week of February, uh, for the next set of shows. So, uh, thank you guys for watching. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Like I said, one spot open for fantasy movies. We'll see you next week. Thank you. In case I don't see ya. Good afternoon. Good evening.